this morning. It's great to be in church this morning. If you've got primary school children, then there is uh, a room out there for different activities for primary school children. Uh, but it's great to see each and every one of you. And this morning we're going to be continuing in a series that we've been going through on a Sunday morning, uh, right the way throughout 2019. And this series is all about the Holy Spirit. We've been looking at the third person of the Godhead, and we've learned some incredible things from the Bible about who the Holy Spirit is. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God, and he's the God in the now, and he's here working in our lives. And over the last few months, we've been looking at the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We've seen that there's a bit of, uh, there can be a, a bit of confusion within many churches and different interpretations on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. But we, we see that ultimately that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is to empower us as believers to to help us to live this Christian life, but also to be effective witnesses for Jesus wherever we go. We can't do it in and of our own strength. We need the power of God in us to help us be effective in sharing Jesus with those around us, with this dying world. And we thank God for the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, we're going to look at some of the other work that the Holy Spirit does within our lives when we surrender our lives to Jesus. You know, as I've shared, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us when we surrender our lives to Jesus but as we've seen last time the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a different experience it's a separate experience from salvation and it's for that empowerment but this morning we're going to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit we're going to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit and if you've got a Bible can you turn to Galatians chapter 5 and we're going to read from verse 16 to 26 Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 to 26 I usually put it up on the screen behind us, but there's a bit too many verses, and I thought that uh, it'd be a bit too hard to see. So, if you haven't got a Bible, put you up close to somebody next to you. I'm sure they won't mind. Uh, Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen to twenty-six, and it says, "So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants." And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Incredible passage, isn't it? Of what 
the God nature, the Holy Spirit, the nature that he produces in our lives. Contrast that with the, the sinful nature, which is, which, uh, ha- which is the fruit of our lives before we come to know Jesus. You know, the Bible says that we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. Because of Adam and Eve, sin entered into the world, and that may, may, meant that each and every one of us are sinners. But Jesus made the way possible that we could be forgiven. And that old nature, that sinful nature, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, was nailed to the cross with Christ. Those desires, those, those horrible things, they've been nailed to the cross. And now when we surrender our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in our lives, and he's there to produce a new nature in our lives. But the Bible encourages us, and Paul encourages us here, to follow after the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, so that we won't slip back into those old ways of jealousy, of anger, and all these things, of drunkenness, all these different things. He says, don't slip back into those ways. Now that you are saved, allow the Holy Spirit to direct your lives. And as the Holy, as the Holy Spirit directs your lives, he's going to produce a new nature within you. It's a nature that you can't create yourselves. It's a nature that you can't create yourselves. And that's one of the ways that the Holy Spirit transforms us. He produces God's nature within our lives. The whole, uh, it says, as, Paul, as we've just read there in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 to 26, that if we walk in relationship and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, He will enable us to overcome the ungodly desires, that ungodly nature, and He will produce a godly nature within us. That He will help us. We don't have to struggle on our own to try and overcome these desires, because we won't. We're a sinful nature uh, by... by a, because of, uh, because of Adam and Eve, we, sin is within us. But because we belong to Jesus and we've asked him into our lives, we've now got a helper. The Holy Spirit will help us and he will help us to overcome those ungodly desires. And the terminology that Paul uses here is the fruit of the Spirit. Spirit the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul emphasizes that the fruit of the Spirit can only be produced when we are connected the Holy Spirit. That nature can't come about unless we are connected to Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. That nature won't be produced in our lives. And that's the analogy of fruit. The analogy of fruit underlines that. You know, fruit can only come from the DNA of a tree. Fruit comes from the DNA of a tree. And if the, uh, for example, if a tree has a, a DNA of oranges, the fruit that it will produce is oranges. It won't produce anything else. If its DNA is oranges, it won't produce lemons, it won't produce anything else. It will only produce oranges. Likewise, the Holy Spirit within us, dwelling within us, and when we're in fellowship with him, his DNA will result in that godly nature coming through our lives. It won't be anything else. When we surrender our lives to Jesus and the Holy Spirit is working within our lives, it won't be any other nature but God's nature working within our lives. It will be his fruit coming through our lives. And Paul, he then goes on to describe what this nature looks like, what these, these fruit look like. And, he, he call, uh, and there's nine fruit, there's nine different fruit, and there's nine different characteristics that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives that are, that are linked to the godly nature, the, the part of that godly nature, the godly characteristics. And the Holy Spirit produces these in our lives. These are, as you can see on the screen behind us, love, joy, Long, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The Holy Spirit produces these in our lives when we're connected to him, 
when we allow him to work in our lives. He will produce these in our lives. And, and over the next two Sundays, this morning and next Sunday, we're going to look at these qualities. We're going to look at these nine fruit of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we're going to look at just the first four. So the first one on there, on the list there, is love. That's the first characteristic that the Holy Spirit will produce in our lives is love. And how appropriate it is for, for the first fruit to be love. Because love is God's nature. Our God is a loving God. Yes, he's a, he's a God who will judge us, but he's first and foremost, he is love. He is a loving God. It says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. So the first characteristic that the Holy Spirit will produce in us, the first fruit he will produce in our lives is love. And the Greek word used here in this passage for love is agape, which is best related as affectionate regard, goodwill, or benevolence. Affectionate regard, agape, that agape love. That's the love that he will produce in our lives. And, and that fits best in, in that famous passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which I'm sure those of you who are, are married or if you've been to a wedding, you all know that, that passage of scripture. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, does not boast. You know that passage of scripture. That's the love that, that Paul is describing here. That's the, that word love here. It produces that within our lives. It's God's love. It's his love in and through our lives. That's what the Holy Spirit produces in our lives when we're connected to him. I know it says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, that the entire law is fulfilled in that one word, love. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we are commanded to do, is to love. Our God is a loving God. And we as the people of God should be a loving people. A loving people who show the love of God to one another and to this broken world around us. You know, it's sad to see, but our world, the enemy is out to twist what God has intended. And he twists love. And our world, you can see it, it's lust. It's driven by lust. We're going from one pleasure to the next pleasure. But that's not the love of God. Our world is desperate for love. True love, real love. And we know that true love, real love comes only from God himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know, if we demonstrate this type of love towards others, the people will be drawn to us. I guarantee it. People will be drawn to us. If we start loving people as Christ has loved us, people will be drawn to us. People will be saying, what's different about you? Not many people are very loving towards other people in our society today, are they? But I wonder, we are called as the people of God to be separate from our world, to, to be different from this world. We are called to show God's love in nature. And when we're connected to the Holy Spirit, he will produce that love within our lives. It will be seen in and through our lives. There's something incredible about that love in nature. I'm sure you've seen it in many people's lives. I pray that it will be a fruit of my life, of our lives, that we would be a loving people. That the first thing that people would see about us is that there is the love. There is love within you. The love of God. 
and it's a very special bond we and we love. So that's the first fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. The second fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives is joy. Joy. Hands up if you need a bit of joy this morning. I don't mean joy Volsto, I mean, <laughs> even though we, we know you're friendly, joy. <laughs> but uh, how many of you would like some joy this morning? True joy. Real joy. Lasting joy. I might wonder how many of us have that this morning. And this word joy is different from happiness. It's different from happiness. This word joy is different from the word happiness. Because happiness is connected to our emotional state. That if everything's going okay, if the world around us is fine, then we're happy. Then people will say we're joyful. The sun is shining upon us. Everything's great. But that's not what the Bible is saying in this situation here. Joy here, uh, what, what it means here, this word joy in the Greek, it doesn't mean it's, it's not connected to our circumstances. This word joy is not connected to our circumstances. This quality, this joy lives within us because of our relationship with God. It's not because of our circumstances or what's going on around us. This joy comes because of who we belong to and who we know as our Lord and Savior. This joy comes from knowing God, having a relationship with God. And as I said, this is totally different to the way that the world sees joy, isn't it? The world's way of seeing joy is totally different to the way that the believer experiences joy. You know, what's incredible is that the most joy-filled person in the New Testament was the Apostle Paul. And the most joyful book probably in the New Testament, or one of the most joyful books in the New Testament, is the book of Philippians. But you know what's incredible about the book of Philippians and about Paul? Is Paul was writing that book while he was in prison for his faith. But yet he was joyful. He was encouraging other believers to be joyful, but yet his circumstances said, don't be joyful, Paul. You're in prison. You're probably going to end up being killed because of your faith. But yet Paul was joyful, even though he was in prison because of that. His joy, and we see that, his joy was connected to God, and it wasn't connected to his circumstances. And that's why he could have an impact on the people around him. He knew that his God was in control of his life, and it didn't matter what happened around him, he belonged to Jesus. He knew that no matter what came against him, Jesus was with him. He was with him there in the prison cell, and he had all that he needed because God was with him. And even if they took away his life, it'd be better, because he knew that he would be with his Savior, which he longed to be. So Paul, despite his circumstances, he was joyful. I wonder this morning, how many of us are joyful? How many of us connect joy to our circumstances and connect it to God? I pray this morning that God, by his spirit, would change our perspective to realize that once again that our joy comes from knowing him. And that as long as we know him, then nothing can, nothing can upset us or harm us if we would just continually look to him. If we continue to look to him. That's why Paul was able to say, rejoice in the Lord always. That's hard, isn't it? That's very hard. And I know that we are humans. I understand that. I'm not saying that we're perfect people or we're false people. Paul wasn't encouraging us to be false people. He's saying rejoice in the Lord always. And he goes, again I say rejoice. In case you didn't get it the first time, rejoice. Rejoice, you know the Lord. 
That's all that matters. You know Jesus. That's all that matters. You know the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. He also had a dose of this joy. It says in Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17 to 18. This is what he says. He says, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines. Though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food. Though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. If you know the story of Habakkuk, everything was falling apart around him. The people of God had turned away from God. But yet Habakkuk said, it doesn't matter what happens. No matter what an enemy might do to me, no matter what. If I don't have anything else, I'm going to rejoice in my God. Because I know that God is on my side, that I have all that I need in my God. So I'm going to rejoice in him. Even before I see a breakthrough in my circumstance, I'm still going to rejoice because my God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, our circumstances might change, but our Savior never changes. And that's why we can be joyful this morning. That no matter what we might face, we can have that joy which passes everything within this world, which passes understanding. We can know that joy. It's incredible. I'm sure you've read of great men and women of God who have been killed for their faith in the past. But yet they had incredible joy just before they were executed. Even read in the book of Acts, Stephen, he was worshipping God as people were throwing stones on him, murdering him. How does that happen? It's because his joy was found in the Lord and not in circumstance or material or anything else. His joy came from the Lord. And I pray that we would have a shift. There would be a shift within our lives. Say, God, my joy comes from you and not from anything else. Yes, we thank you for all the blessings you pour out upon our lives. We're grateful for it. We will enjoy that. For ultimately, our joy comes from Jesus and him and him alone. So I wonder this morning, is your joy connected to your circumstance or to the relationship that you have with God? And you know that joy, it can only be produced by the Holy Spirit within your life. No matter how much you try to work it up, you can't produce it. We can't produce it. But when we get connected to the Lord, when we draw near to the Lord, when we ask the Lord to lead us and fill us with His Spirit, we can know that joy. It only comes from the Lord. The third fruit is peace. That's another fruit that the Holy Spirit produces within our lives, peace. And the Greek word is irene, which has similar undertones to the word joy. To have peace. But you know, it's exactly the same sort of thing here as Paul was writing this, that the fruit of the Spirit is peace. It's a similar, very similar to joy. Because peace that he was talking about, the peace that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives, does not come from our circumstances or an absence of danger or trouble or difficulties. But it comes from knowing, from the knowledge that we as believers are in the right relationship with God. That's where peace comes from. It surpasses all understanding comes from our knowledge of whose we are, that we belong to Jesus. It's not because of the situation around us. It's because of Jesus. You know, the incredible thing about the peace of God, this peace, is that this peace can be experienced in the middle of war, in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of sickness, in the middle of heartache. You can still have a peace which surpasses all understanding. And people will say to you, how are you holding this together? Everything around you is falling apart. Your life is a mess, but how come you are so calm and you have a peace? And you can say, yes, because I know who's ahead. 
that God is in control of my life, that he is sovereign over my life, that all things will work together for the good of those who love him, that God, no matter what the enemy would mean for evil, God will turn it for good. That's how we can have a peace in that situation. And this is a peace that doesn't come from the outside, it comes from within. A peace that comes from within, that no matter what is going on around me, I know my God is in control, that I belong to him, that he is holding me, that I belong to Jesus. You know, it's ironic, isn't it, that one of the biggest desires of this world is peace. This world is looking for peace. Countries, there's so many wars within our world. People are looking for peace. But it's interesting that people will ignore the Prince of Peace. There is only one who can give a peace that surpasses all understanding, and that's Jesus. It comes from knowing him. He is the Prince of Peace. It comes from knowing and belonging to him. It says in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by our faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we belong to him, if we surrender our lives to Jesus, we can have a peace that surpasses all, all understanding, a peace that goes beyond our circumstances. If we belong to him, we can know, yes, no matter, even if everything around me is shaking, I have peace with God. I am right with God because of what Jesus has done. I'm right with him. I've surrendered him and I believe in him. True peace for the believer is, knowledge, is the knowledge that nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's what true peace is. If you want to know what true peace is, it's knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. I wonder, do you have that peace this morning? Nothing that separates you from the love of God. If you belong to Christ Jesus, you have that peace. You have that peace that says, yeah, my future is secure and safe. I know where I'm going know where I'm going. Do you have that peace this morning? And that, again, can only come from knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior and being connected to the Holy Spirit and walking in the Spirit. It's the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. We can't produce it. But He will produce it in our lives that no matter what goes on around us, we can have a confidence in what God's in control. The Holy Spirit is producing it in my life. He's helping me and reminding me He's in control of my future, my destiny. And finally, number four, is long-suffering and patience. Long-suffering and patience. And patience. You know, this word is often translated, translated as patience. And, uh, and patience is to do with, it's not to do with, with uh, difficulties or trials. It's actually having patience with other people. This is, what it's, this is what the Bible is saying here, that the Holy Spirit will produce patience within us so that we might be able to bear one another. So we might be able to... Be patient with one another. You know, it's a quality that, that no matter what someone has done against you, you won't look for revenge. You'll trust that God will sort it out, that he will work it out. And I've had that even in, within my own life. Where I've had people, you know, just try, you can just sense it sometimes, where the enemy's out just to, just to try and get you, to, to throw you off, to steal, kill, destroy your faith. You know, people can come against you and try to discourage you and make things feel awkward for you. I've had that. But, you know, in, those, in the midst of those difficult circumstances, you know, I could kick off, I could pull a, a, that person aside, I could argue with that person. It's easy to do that, isn't it? You know, the best thing we can do and the hardest thing we can do sometimes is bring that person before the cross of Christ. And that's what we've got to do, and I've had to do that. And you know, it's amazing that I've brought 
these situations before God, these people in these difficulties before God, God works it all out. God works all good out. And that's what he's saying here is that it's almost like that grace and mercy towards others. That's the fruit that the Holy Spirit will produce in others. You know, to be, to, to be able to have that grace and mercy towards one another. It's in allowing God to do uh, and to work out the situation. No matter what someone might have done against you or harmed you or hurt you, it's saying, God, okay, I'm handing it over to you. You work it out. But I trust in you. And that's the fruit that the Holy Spirit produces within our lives. He says, as you can see on the screen behind me, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with one another. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. We all fail. We all stumble. We all mess up on times. We all get it wrong. Even me as a pastor. There'll be times when I will let you down. And the reason for that is because I am not God. We are humans. We will all fail. We will all stumble. But the Bible encourages us. Be patient with one another. Don't just cast someone to the side. Don't argue with them. Ask God to help you resolve that situation. Work it out. Ask God to give you some patience within that situation. That patience to deal with that circumstance. Ask him to help you to do that. You know, this fruit is the quality of being patient with people. Even when they don't deserve it. That's hard, isn't it? When someone doesn't deserve it. When you know someone, yeah, that person deserves something else. And say, actually, I'm not going to give them that. I'm going to be weak. I'm going to be patient. And I'm going to hand it over to God. And it all ultimately, it's a grace that flows out of us as believers. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And it comes as we are reminded that God has forgiven us. That our God is patient with us. And you know, next time you feel impatient towards someone and angry towards someone, just remember how patient God has been towards you. How merciful he's been towards you. How gracious he's been towards you. And allow his grace and his mercy to pour out to be gracious towards somebody else. We know better than anyone if God can forgive us. Then let's forgive others. Let's be patient with others. And also be patient within the walk as well with Christ. You know, sometimes, you know, we want people to just push on in the faith. You know, sometimes we can wonder, oh, why, why is that person serving? Why isn't that person doing it right? We've got to be patient with one another. We're all on different aspects of this journey. We're all different. But God is working within all of us to complete that work of salvation. He'll bring it to completion. So that's the fourth fruit that the Holy Spirit produces in our lives. And as I said, I'll admit, I can't produce that. By my nature, I'm not a very patient person. And I need God to help me be patient sometimes as I am. It's God will produce it and it only comes as we connect with him and as we walk with him you know it's amazing all these different fruits and I'll say it again next week but all these different fruits we can't produce any of these of ourselves it all comes from being connected with God and the reason it comes from God is so that we won't, won't boast in our sins it's not saying look at me I'm a super Christian look at me look how loving I am look how compassionate I am look how patient I am it's not about that. Just allow God to do that in your life. And it's for his glory. Allow him to produce that fruit in your life so that he will be lifted up. He will be seen. Others will be drawn to him. That's why. That's why we want to see his fruit in our lives. It's not to be better Christians than anyone else or to be a better church. We want his fruit to be produced in our lives so others would see Christ in us and come to know him. That's why we want his fruit in this church. That's why we want to be a fruitful people. We want to see his fruit in our life. So next Sunday we'll be looking at the five 
remaining of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. However, this morning, as we do come to a conclusion, I wonder, are those four fruit evident in your life? I'm looking at myself. I, I've got to be, I'm speaking to myself before anybody else. You know, it's easy to judge other people, isn't it? It's easy to pull someone along to up and say, you need a bit more love. Hey, you need a bit more patience. I hope nobody does that after the service. I hope nobody pulls up and says, hey, get a bit more patience. You need a Oh, that word was for you, sister. That word was for you, brother. Definitely, amen. I hope that doesn't happen after our service. It's easy to judge others and say, you need a bit more of this. You need a bit more of that. So I pray this morning that we just open up our hearts and say, Holy Spirit, would you examine my life? What are the areas that you need to work on in my life? And would you do it in my life? That I might be more loving, more patient, more, more uh, that I might have more peace, that I might have more joy the way you would do that. Let's make that our prayer. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts. I'm asking him to examine my heart this morning. I'm not judging anyone else because as I said, we can't produce this fruit on our own. It only comes as we surrender to Jesus and get connected to the Holy Spirit and allow us the Holy Spirit you produce it in our lives. We don't have to struggle to produce it or strain to produce it. Just like a tree, you never hear a tree groaning or moaning or struggling to produce fruit. It just happens as it's connected and it's in the right environment. Fruit will naturally come, naturally come. And it's the same with us as believers. We don't have to struggle to produce this. It's just as we get connected to Jesus and open up our lives to the Holy Spirit, He will produce it in us. And people will see Him so that He would be glorified and that people would come to know Him. Amen. Shall we pray? morning first of all I want to give an opportunity maybe you've come here this morning and you've heard a lot about about God about Jesus you've heard about this loving God who longs to have a relationship with you who's got a plan and a purpose for your life and has also made a way possible that when we die that you can know that you're going to heaven that you're going to spend an eternity with him but maybe you've come here this morning and you don't know him as your Lord and Savior as I said a little earlier, then I want to give an opportunity, first of all, to, to lead you in a prayer, to say a prayer that you can repeat quietly in your own heart, and you can ask Jesus into your heart this morning. You can know him. You can know forgiveness of sin. You can know that hope this morning. You can know the love of God this morning. Is there anyone here this morning? I'm just going to wait a moment. If that's you, just lift up a hand as an indication to me. I'll take it back down again, and then I'll say a prayer that you can say quietly in your heart. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Is there anyone here this morning? I'm just going to wait a moment. Just lift up a hand and take it down again. Okay, hang on. Maybe we all know the Lord as, uh, maybe we all know Jesus as our Lord and Savior this morning. But as I've encouraged us, let's just ask the Lord to search our own hearts. And let's ask him to begin to produce that life. His fruit within our lives so that he would be glorified. 